Well, the battery died on that camera. Imagine that. It's been on for 30 minutes while I went through my mind all the things that I wanted to talk about with you today. But here's the one that really strikes me. I learned this in a study that I was doing yesterday, a little over an hour worth of teaching from Dr. Caroline Leaf on neuroscience and the body. But what she was talking about was the MAD diet the MAD diet, the number one export in the United States, the MAD diet, the modern American diet. And she talked about how the brain is impacted by the food that we eat. But more than that, she talked about how the food that we eat is impacted by our thought processes. I would have never imagined how significant that was. But I want to talk to you today about leadership as it relates to your fork and your attitude. Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast. Five-minute videos, five days a week. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And it's really fascinating to me how the impact of your thought life impacts your diet and digestion. Now, we know for a fact, right? We've all experienced that moment when we have a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of frustration in our life uh, around, I don't know, a job interview or the first day at a new school or the first day at college or a brand new relationship. You know, we've all fallen in love and we can't eat for a couple of days, right? Maybe it's because we feel like we look fat in this shirt. Maybe it's because that we just have the stress and the anxiety. But, you know, if, if you've been through high stress times in your life, like a training scenario or a new relationship or a new move, or you've even seen your children or your siblings go through this anxiety, you know that it does weird things, not only to your digestive process, but to your hunger, to the way that your body metabolizes the food that you eat, even to the things that your body craves. You probably have met a pregnant woman who had strange cravings for foods that normally were not on her menu or on her diet, maybe the pickles and ice cream together, something sweet and something salty to the extreme. Maybe you've even seen people who are so addicted to French fries that they just can't stop eating French fries. They want to lose the weight. They work hard in the gym. They spend hours on the treadmill, but they can't put down the French fries. I was fascinated to hear Dr. Leaf say that it's not just the food itself. But sometimes it's the endorphins that are in the human body that are related to the food. Now, that was a little bit puzzling to me. One of the things she said that I thought was very important was she said, understand that both dopamine and serotonin, which are the two that we consider the feel-good uh, chemicals of the body, the two most prominent, that more of those chemicals are released in our body, more of those hormones are released in our body from the gut than from the brain. Now let that settle in for a minute and then ask yourself, are the foods that I'm putting in my body, the things that I put on my fork and then into my face, are those foods helping or hurting the endorphins and the serotonin in my body? The dopamine and the serotonin, the, the things that make me feel good, are they being enhanced or inhibited by the food that I eat? Now you probably think to yourself, this is about the craziest leadership talk that I've ever heard in my life. But remember that one of the principles of good, strong leadership is that you've got to start by leading yourself first. That's a, a Maxwell idea. It's a Maxwell concept, but it goes way back before Maxwell. Uh, Jesus Christ said the same thing. And almost every leadership teacher, trainer, coach that I've ever encountered has eventually come to the same discovery. 
If you can't lead your own life, how could you lead anybody else's? If you can't take care of your own environment, your own mind space, your own mental space, your own head space, your own body space, if you are, have no control of that, how in the world are you going to lead anybody else? Because leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. How can I lead someone, inspire someone, influence someone if I can't control my own wants, wishes, desires, and cravings? Now, the truth is there are a lot of things that our bodies are now being taught to crave that are unnatural. See, I never would have thought of that five years ago. I never would have thought that the reason we have cravings for sugar is because sugar is more addictive than cocaine. Look up the science on it. You're going to find that it's true. Now, let me go one step further than that. Not only is sugar more addictive than cocaine, sugar is also added to your French fries. Yep. It's added to the contents that make up your French fries. It's added to your hamburgers. It's added to the buns. It's added to so many other things. In fact, Dr. Caroline Leaf, who has consulted with physical doctors, with nutritionists, she is a neuroscientist, a PhD and MD. She is very well versed in this concept. She said there are more than 30,000 kinds of grains and wheats on the earth. And almost none of them create a natural resistance to gluten. No, it's the gluten that has been manipulated into the addictive nature of the things that we find it in. I'll let that one settle in for a minute. So if you're eating a lot of crackers and chips and breads and <clears throat> pastas that have a lot of gluten that are causing stomach irritations and things of that nature, chances are it's not really celiac disease in, in your case. Now, obviously, there are people who have celiac disease, but there are also more people who have become victims of the modern American diet, the exports even. There are places in the world, just as an example of this modern American diet export, places in this world where Parents will wean their children off of breast milk and straight onto Coca-Cola or some other form of immediate sugar delivery because it releases all the dopamine and serotonin in the body. Just like chocolate has an, mental, uh, an immediate mental effect on many people, these sugary foods, these gluten-laden foods, they have a direct emotional impact. Ever heard of somebody who emotionally eats? Studies have been done for people that if their mind is triggered to believe that it's time to eat, even if their gut isn't hungry, they will eat. With people who have memory care issues, they've even tested the study to see if we tell them that it's dinner time, but they ate just 20 minutes ago, will they eat again? Yes, because their body isn't sending the triggers to tell them you've already eaten and you're full because the food itself is creating hunger cravings. It's a massive form of manipulation. Now, she says when you get back to eating more organic foods, more closely grown to home foods, more natural foods with less additives in them, that those foods will actually satiate the body. Those foods will actually make you feel hungry and provide the nutrition that your body needs without the addiction. Now, here's something that I know to be true. If you've ever struggled with an addiction of any kind, alcohol, tobacco, vaping, it doesn't matter. Whatever the addiction has been in your life, drugs, pornography, relationships, it doesn't matter what the addiction has been. If you've had an addiction in your life and you've tried to 
take that addiction as a whole and move it out of your life, what you have found is that other addictions tend to creep in because addiction by its nature is addictive. The substance sometimes becomes a chemical dependency. The thing that your body is reacting to, it wants more of. So whether that's chocolate or it's the sugar in your French fries or it's the starchy foods or it's the pastas or it's the sweetness of the salad dressing that you choose every time that you eat salad. Whatever that addictive response is, for me, for 25 years, it was pornography. But whatever that addictive response is, whatever's releasing those chemicals in your body, it's generating a control feature in your mind that says, I have to have X, fill in the blank, whatever that is. And when you take the X out of that blank, but don't take away the sentence, meaning you take away the substance that you're addicted to, but you don't get rid of the addictive nature, you're not leading yourself. You're still under the control of something else that's influencing your behavior. If you've ever found yourself craving a certain kind of food, craving a certain kind of relationship, craving a certain kind of activity, then you need to ask yourself, has that thing mastered me? Has that food, has that relationship, has that conversation, has that behavior, has that excitement, whether it's a video game or it's driving fast, has it mastered me? Am I leading my life or is that behavior, practice, food, substance, is it leading my life? Because when you are no longer mastering your life, your ability to lead others is hindered. Now, it doesn't mean that you lose all the gifts and the skills of it. It doesn't mean that you're going to lose the ability to speak in a way that other people are going to listen. It doesn't mean that you're going to lose the influence of the people immediate in your life. But what it will mean is that your ability to be an objective influence in their life for their good and not your own is really, really challenged. Now, let me just give you one really quick thought that you need to dig into. Remember, attitude and your fork are directly related. How you think about what you feel and how you feel about what you think, that's your attitude. Your fork is the stuff that you stick in your face, the foods, the drinks, the other chemicals that you ingest. And when those two things are in conflict with each other, uh, Dr. Leaf said this straight up in the video. I shared it yesterday on my social media post. Uh, I want you to go watch the video. It's about an hour long, but it's worth every second of it. Take some screenshots of those slides too, because there's some great information in talking points that she just glazes over really fast that you need to take some time to meditate on. But when your attitude and your fork are in conflict with each other, then you're going to find that eating addictions change your life. They create inflammation in your body. They create weight gain in your body, which creates more inflammation. They lead to cancers. They lead to mental illness. There are certain foods, and she talks about them, that even cause a reaction like early onsets, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's disease in the human body. These are foods that are literally physically damaging the brain. But there's so much money to be made in selling them that making them addictive to you makes the profit margin even higher, means that global sales of this food is even bigger and off the charts. But I want you to think from an attitude standpoint about the most addictive thing you've ever encountered. I'm going to tell you it's probably power. 
If you're addicted to power, you want control, you want leadership, you want to be in charge of everyone, you want everyone to follow the rules, and you will do, just like the addict who says, hey, I just need one more beer, and they strap their children in the back seat of their car and they drive to the liquor store when they're already too drunk to drive, but the addiction is driving them. Like the man who goes to the strip club while his wife is asleep in bed. Rather than finding his needs to be met in his relationship, he's looking outside of it because the addiction is driving him. Like the person who intentionally sabotages a relationship and they know that they're hurting people. They know that others will be emotionally scarred by this, but they've got to get their fix of being in control, whether it's physically or it's verbally or it's financial abuse, sometimes even religious abuse. They've got to have that control because that's what they're addicted to. There's an old phrase that says that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. The more power a person has, the more control a person has, the more addictive that power becomes. And there will be a point, just like every other addict, that they will sacrifice everything and everyone to get their fix. That's where leadership goes astray. Remember my statement. If you can finish that statement, I am addicted to, or XYZ controls my behavior, and you get to the blank, and you take out the X, whatever that X was, the vaping, the alcohol, the drugs, the sex, the bad relationships, a certain kind of food, take out the X. And if you don't solve the other problem of what I'm addicted to, then that addiction is gonna come back. And it may be power, it might be control, it might be money, it might be just seeing others suffer. I know it sounds twisted, but it's there. And those food addictions that are causing our bodies to be decayed are causing mental illness as well. Again, if you don't believe me, listen to the experts. Listen to Dr. Daniel Amen. Listen to Dr. Caroline Leaf. Uh, the list goes on and on. Joe Dispenza. Uh, these people will tell you that the food you're putting in your face is corrupting your brain inside your head. It's not just how it affects your physique. It's how it affects the way you think as well. And if you can't lead yourself well, it's gonna be really hard to lead others. I challenge you to take a look at the video by Dr. Leaf and then get a hold of the book called Eat and Think Yourself Smart and spend some time meditating on that. And then dig into Joe Dispenza or uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, any of these people who are talking about nutrition and how it impacts your psychology, how it impacts your brain quality. If you lead people, you've gotta lead yourself well first. And leading yourself well means getting both your diet and your thought process in alignment with each other. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. It amazes me how many leaders feel like whatever they've done in their past, whatever education level they have is what qualifies them for leader. And I believe to a large extent, there's some truth to that. There are those who've accomplished things like West Point Academy, for an example. They, they've been an officer in the military or, or they've spent several years doing a particular job or a task. I think it was, um, 
Malcolm Gladwell, who said, give me 10,000 hours at something to become an, an expert. And if you just do basic math on that, that's 40 hours a week. That's your typical work week for five years. That's 2,080 hours a year. So after five years full time, you can become an expert on something. Of course, in today's society, if you read five to 10 books on any given subject, by comparison to the average American, you are an expert on that subject because most people won't read five or 10 books on the same subject. As a leader to qualify for leadership, any one of those things will do to a large extent. But I, I saw a meme, a, a photograph with words under it today on LinkedIn that pointed out a different level of leadership commitment. And that's what I want to talk about today. Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast. Five minute videos, five days a week. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. The, the meme that I saw today, the photograph that I saw was a young man uh, a fourth grader, uh, according to the post, and he looked about that age, somewhere around nine or 10 years old, uh, with a green rope, probably 18 inches long in his hand, tied around his hand, and also tied around the hand of another young man. Uh, according to the photograph, he was in the sixth grade, so that would make him uh, 12 or 13 years old. And the point of the photograph was to say that this fourth grader spent his time training to run through the woods because the guy on the other end of the rope, the sixth grader, was a cross-country runner who was blind. A cross-country runner who was blind. Now I want to ask you, how many times have you been led by someone who not only says you should go that way, in fact, but you should go that way and tell me when you get there. But someone who said, I've been down that particular path, and I can tell you about 25 steps in, there's a hole on the left that's right at the edge of the running course, and if you're not careful, it'll twist your ankle. See, those are two different forms of involved leadership. It's also a different thing to have someone who will say, let me walk the course ahead of you and map it out, and I'll tell you where it goes. That's what most of the coaches do in these cross-country environments, they actually map out the course and they put the stakes and they put the, the ropes and the, the arrows on the ground and they tell you where to go. But it's a different kind of leader who says, let me not just go ahead of you, not let, not, let me not just give you an idea what the course looks like, let me not just map out the course for you, but let me run the race with you. See, it takes a different kind of leader to get involved in someone's life to the degree that you understand in the moment the crisis they're going through. You feel with them empathetically and maybe even biophysically the strain and the stress that they're facing. There are a lot of leaders, if you've watched Private Ryan recently, I know it's back on Netflix, you can go watch it now, but you'll see a, a captain who's on the battlefield with his soldiers side by side with them living through the battle with them he's not an armchair leader he's in the battle he knows what's going on he knows what they're thinking he knows what they're seeing he knows what they're feeling he's hearing the bullets whiz by himself 
That is an entirely different kind of leadership than the kind of leadership that sits in a political office and never deals with the fallout of the laws that they make. Yes, we have people who've been in Congress four, five, six decades who have never had to live under the laws that they've imposed on you. The laws that they impose on the American people simply don't apply to them. Well, they don't care who has guns or not because they have their own security force. They live behind a, a, a wall and a fence and in private gated communities, just like all the big corporate leaders. They don't care whether or not you can defend your home. It's not relevant to them. Theirs is already defended with millions of dollars in security cameras and armed guards. They live in a different world than we do, but they write the laws that we have to live by. If you're a leader in any sized organization, asking your people, your team, your family, your employees to do a job that you're not capable of is a bit of a stretch. But to ask them to do a job, to do a task, to perform a task you're unwilling to do, uh, that's just unscrupulous. It's, it's altogether possible. For an example, I, I do my own websites and I know they're okay, okay. For some people, they're pretty spectacular, but to the professional website designer, my website is laughable. I get that. It's not that I'm not willing to do it, but I'm not competently perfect at it, and I get that. If I led a large organization, it would be silly for me to say, I'm the leader, I'll design the website. That would be silly because I'm not the best at it, someone else will do a better job at it. I recently had to reply to a client that I'd spent several hours in the prep going through the, the mind work. We were at the place of a written proposal for a project that they wanted me to take on and, and I was pretty excited about the project, but I went, when I started to analyze the actual details of what was gonna be required to do the job, I realized that there were better people to do the details of the job. And that's what I told them. I was honest enough to say, look, I understand what needs to be done. I've got a really good grasp of what needs to be done, but I don't have a giant team behind me to pull this off. So in order for that job to be done to the quality that it deserves, you need someone who's great in graphic design. You need someone who's great in web design. You need someone who's great in funnel building. You need someone who's great in all of these marketing aspects in the digital world. And I get by with them, but I'm not a top level expert at them. And for that reason, I would suggest that you hire someone other than myself. I love your project, love what it's all about, would love to be a part of it, but someone else can do a better job at it than I can. A leader who's not willing to be honest about what they're capable of or competent at will jump at every task and every opportunity. But a leader who knows what the task will require and is unwilling to participate in what needs to be done, they don't wanna get their hands dirty, they don't want to follow the same rules that apply to everybody else. They don't want to live under the ideas that they present. That's a different kind of leader. I would encourage all of you, again, from families to small groups to large organizations to political office, if you want to be a genuine, heart-led leader, be the kind of leader that lives under the same rules. Be like that fourth grader who says, I'm not just going to tell you that there is a course. 
I'm going to get on the course. I'm going to tie myself to you and I am going to run with you. And if that means we run until we throw up, we will run until we throw up. If that means we run until our legs and ankles are sore, we will run until our legs and ankles are sore. If that means that I have to run faster than somebody two years old, two or three years older than me, as long as someone two or three years older than me, so that you can finish the race in the top five, then that's what I will do. But I, as a leader, will go with you to the places that you need to go to see to it that you get there. That's the kind of leader we need in this world. We need more leaders like that from fourth grade all the way to the White House. We need leaders who will say, whatever laws apply to you, they apply to me. Whatever rules I make up, I will live under them because that's the way the world should be led. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.